0: Flat out RC time once again. Andrew Stills, my name, and you are joining us on the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis, and drones. Back for another week. Uh, this week, got a, I've always got a good guest. I've never had a bad guest because uh, I enjoy talking to people about model flying. Uh, this week's guest is a gentleman by the name of Heath McDonald. He's been on before. Uh, you may remember remembered him, he, he works at CASA, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, he flies model airplanes, really keen. But he, I, he, he's just been over to the US from Australia to go to the Joe Nall event. And he's back now uh, in the midst of having COVID when I recorded this uh, interview with him. Uh, but he was kind enough to come on and just share that experience, which is something I think we'd all be interested to see and hear about, You know that experience of coming from Australia to go to a big event over in the US and the intricacies of that so stay tuned to for that chat but before we get to heath let's have a look what's been on my mind well what's been on my mind a fair bit uh the first thing that's been on my mind is the festival of aero modeling event uh that is being held on the 30th of june to the 4th of july it has moved it was going to be held at the casino airport but now has been moved because as anybody in Australia knows, there's been a lot of water and rain happening up in that neck of the woods, up in that northern New South Wales region into southern Queensland. And uh, it's just not looking too viable. Ground's still very, very wet. So they're not confident that it's going to be suitable in time. So it's been moved to the Inglewood Airport in Queensland, uh, which is a bit further north than Casino. It's over the border into Queensland. Uh you know, you could fly into Brisbane or the Gold Coast and drive. It's a two-and-a-half to three-hour drive, I think, from memory. Don't hold me to it. Get into Google and have a look. But uh, if you get into Google and type in Inglewood, I-N-G-L-E-W-O-O-D, uh, you'll see the airport there, asphalt strip, plenty of space. The organisers have spoken to the local council. They're really happy to have aeromodelling come to the town. And uh, it looks like just between you and me, it could be a promising another venue to hold some really good events. So... Uh, five days, four nights of flying, 30th of June to 4th of July, uh, Festival of Aeromodelling, don't forget. Now, to register, you need to go to lduaerosports.com.au for slash events. So the land out under aerosports page, they're helping out, um, utilising their website to manage the registration. So lduaerosports.com.au forward slash events. Uh, so register to win. What do I mean by that? Well, you go in there and register and um, you can win a Slingsby T-45 Swallow uh, Glider Kit. I think it's a um, Peter Goldsmith Kit from memory. Show the photo. Yeah, it's a Peter Goldsmith Kit, Slingsby T-45 Swallow, uh, worth a fair bit. So um, And also, we're going to have some guest world champion pilots. Uh, Martin Pickering and his partner, Raquel Beleau, Uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, uh uh coming raquel flies 3d helis and martin of course is a gun freestyle aerobatic 3d pilot uh flies jets and prop planes and so he'll be putting on a few demos along the way so um he's going to be really good uh some of the best models around are going to be there uh so if you want to go to an event where the best of the best will be think about getting up to the festival era modeling 30th of june to the 4th of july so uh more information, jump onto Facebook. Get, join the large, Australian Large Scale um, what's it called? I've got it up here. Australian Large Scale Models Facebook page and you'll see some information about that um, event. So uh, get on board. I know it's, it's a bit of a hassle changing um, venues especially those that had uh, organised accommodation but apparently if you're getting quick all should be okay as far as changing over your uh, Details for um, your uh, accommodation, etc. So there you have it. Festivals of Aero Modelling is coming to town. Now, what else has been on my mind? It was interesting uh, this week. Uh, those that are MAAA, Ooh, I'm just bumping the microphone. I've got to move the microphone, it's about to fall over. Uh, those uh, members of the MAAA will have received a, an email from the President, Tim Nolan. And my name was mentioned in it. You may have noticed it. Um, yes, I incorrectly tim wrote that i was representing flat out rc but i'm not uh i was helping the m out with a survey that they did to members um so we'll be open and honest i was approached by tim he asked me about the survey and i said look i know how to do it i run a marketing business called sill marketing so double marketing if you need any marketing help jump on board so i've been doing it for a long time it's been 18 years that i've been running my business and a lot longer in the marketing sphere and um he asked about a survey, and I said, "Yep, I can help." And so, I had a an online system that I subscribed to to set that up. So I set that up and helped out with a few of the questions. And then um, Tim asked me to go to the MWA AGM meeting to share the results. Um, and I'm not going to share all those results with you because it's up to the MWA to do that. I believe um, I just did a, a bit of a, a bit of a survey. Um, Didn't get paid much, don't worry. I didn't want much for it. I like helping out the hobby. So I um, went up there and presented the findings. And I think one of the things that's come to light with discussions with other people as well is our hobby is going through a change and a lot of people haven't realised that it is. We have two schools of thought in our community. We've got um, people that just turn up, go flying, and um, just take everything for what they see and... Uh, not willing to, they don't want to do anything different, just keep on going, not worried about increasing participation, getting new blood into the hobby or anything like that, running events, just status quo, keep on going until the day you die and it'll uh, all be okay. And suffice to say, that that generally is an older demographic and you can you could shoot me down if you think I'm going to go at older people, but historically we know that as people are ageing, they, um, they um, are reluctant to change. And I don't blame them because I'll be the same. But um, we are seeing uh, a lot of impacts as a result now of declining participation. Uh, it's starting to help. It's starting to happen now. God forbid if any association actually woke up to themselves and realised that things are changing. So, for example, this week, um, Hobby King is shutting down their Australian warehouse. Uh, Hobby came in to the system oh, probably more than 10 years ago now and um, changed the, the industry a, a fair bit for a period of time, but uh, even they're struggling under the, uh, the weight of the, the change in, in participation in the hobby. And you know, let's be honest, if things were going really well in Australia, the business would still be here. Any business that, 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 you know, people don't pull out of countries or shut their businesses down if things are going really, really, really well and you're flying, you're making plenty of money. So I think that they've succumbed to that, and now everything—if you want anything from Hobby King—you'll uh, have to get it from the global store, uh, centralise the warehouses. So it starts to erode the model that they they came up with, which was you know of delivery, uh, build warehouses around the world to to improve shipping costs and 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 timeframes in which you can get goods. So now that model starts to erode. Um, the local hobby shop pretty much is 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 is. Gone. There's not that many. We, we've got still some good businesses like Model Flight and um, Perth RC still going. Um, we've got Desert Aircraft Australia still going really well. Uh, Albury RC does an excellent job. Um, Metro Hobbies down here in Melbourne. But a lot of these businesses have become a bit more generic. You've got the specialists like Desert Aircraft Australia, Model Flight kind of thing. But then you get the others that are dabbling in a, in a range of different products. Um, you know, categories, you know, like Metro Hobbies does everything from skeletrics kind of sets to plastic kits to, you know, whatever, trains. Um, and so it just it's eroding away because a pure radio control shop designed for the aero modeler with lots of stuff to get sort of doesn't exist and we're now forced to to go online. And I'm not I don't got anything that gets online because it's actually easier for me. You know, the technology exists for me to order stuff from Desert Aircraft or Model Flight or whatever to get it get it to me. So uh not a problem there but um you know we're seeing uh, clubs decline the club that I first joined when I joined had about 110 members um, now we're, they were sitting at about 45. It, it's it's just we the ramifications of that means um, it gets harder to find product because the industry is now suffering and, and trying to stay viable so less choice uh, harder to access products less products on the shelf which means we're going to have to wait a lot longer for things. Uh, and that's that's not a great thing. My disappointment is everyone's been talking about this for a long time and everyone's pointing the fingers at each other. Now, I know exactly what needs to happen. I've had many chats with people as to what needs to happen. Uh, but when I sit in a room with a bunch of people that are involved in money, managing the uh, the hobby and not one of them knows anything about or got any ideas on how to get new blood in, I start to get concerned. And so I think now it's up to the members, the MAAA members, to start raising their concerns with their local associations, associations that exist for I did not know what reason. I've got nothing against the people involved, but I don't know about you. Down here in Australia, we have this very big, cumbersome kind of association uh, structure. And I've been involved in a lot of associations, been on committees and all that kind of stuff. And I've never seen something so cumbersome for a declining marketplace. And uh, it's about time that everybody woke up to themselves. And I'm getting a bit serious about this because I'm getting tired of it. I'm getting tired of seeing inaction. Uh, I've had chats with numerous people. As I said, I've got a lot of respect for the people that get involved. But if you get involved, do something. And I said this to one, one of the leaders in one of the states. I said, every year you should be able to look back in the last 12 months of what you've achieved. And if you can't think of anything that you've achieved, then it's probably time to think about whether you're involved or not. And if you don't have the expertise to know what to do, then go and find the expertise and that's what you do. If you put your hand up to do something, then do something. Uh, it's not great that we continue to pay our membership fees, which I don't have an issue in joining the NAA, We get value back. A lot of us don't realise what kind of value we get back, but our insurance policy is pretty damn good. The relationships that the MAAA has with CASA is excellent um, and we are in very, very good stead as far as our ability to go flying. Extremely good. And that is down to the hard work of many people. And I think that will continue well into the future. That's only one part of the equation. The elephant in the room is the declining participation. Clubs need to run come try days to get people to touch and feel it. The industry needs to advertise we need to put it in front of people and we can do that better and easier than ever uh, and when i get people that don't have a clue about marketing telling me things like oh we should do print advertising what print there is none that i don't know about facebook advertising have you done it because i have i do it every week for customers I see the results We have the opportunity to connect with people like we've never had before, thanks to the internet, thanks to social media, thanks to the advertising platforms that we've got. We have the ability to compete. We have the money to compete. We just don't have the leaders in all these states getting off their bums and putting something in place. It's not that hard. There's plenty of people that can help out. I've had many chats with the people involved. They can do that, plus the the industry. I always say the industry needs to support themselves as well. They became very, very insular in recent times. We'll just look after ourselves. We'll do our own digital stuff kind of stuff. But everything that they do is just ramming product down people's throats. They're not, they're not enticing people to get into the hobby. We're visual people. We all like the vision of of that model and, and that we have that imagination to think. Imagine it be like, what it would be like to build that model and go and fly that model and have that at the field. We're visual people and other visual people will get attracted to the hobby. And just putting a, uh, an ad there for another product that's for sale, ain't going to cut it. Think about Red Bull. Red Bull sold a drink that keeps you awake on the back of extreme sports. Interesting concept. I'll leave that with you. Enough of my ranting. Okay, now it's my favorite time of the podcast. It is guest time. And this week's guest... We have Heath McDonald back and Heath, uh, he has been on before and we talked about his history in, in aero modeling uh, and that's extensive. He's been doing it since he was a young kid Uh now works for CASA um, involved in uh, in a lot of the work there that uh, relates to you know what we are into, radio control planes, but he's a great guy and he's just been over to the Joan Knoll event. Now, he told me he was going. I said, "Send me photos. I just want to go along with the journey with you because I've I've looked at this Joe all event. It's Joe all is basically the biggest, one of the biggest fun fly events going around the world, where you know, hundreds and hundreds of people turn up and camp out at this wonderful triple tree aerodrome down in South Carolina, and uh, it's yeah, it, it's just." an event that any avid era modeler wants to get to. And fortunately this year we had a, a number of Australians that went over there. David Gahl was there. We had the guys from uh, Boomer RC were over there. And then we had Heath McDonald as well. So quite a reasonable contingent compared to other years. So I thought i will get Heath on to have a chat about the journal experience. experience. Uh, now, Heath has had COVID. He's actually, whilst I was talking to him, he was in the midst of recovering from COVID or still probably testing positive. So he, he did cough a bit throughout the uh, the, uh Interview, but I think I got them all. If I didn't tell me, but I think I've managed to edit out most of the coughs. We've gone to a bit of a routine where I said to him, It's okay if you cough, I'll cut it out, just give me a pause so that I can have a, a nice clean cut point. So, but if, if you hear some coughing, the poor chap had COVID, but nothing's going to stop him from coming on to the Flatout RC podcast and sharing his story with you. So, over to my chat with Heath McDonald. Well, we've got a, 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 a return guest this week in Heath McDonald. Heath, thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me, Andrew. Again, again. Well, it, this is going to be a good chat. I, I, you know, basically, we're going to talk about Heath's trip to the US and visiting some aviation kind of stuff, including the, the Joe Nall. Is it Joe Nall or Joe Nall? How are they pronouncing it in the US? <laughs> Joe Nall is Jo-Nall. how That's it. I've
1: been told to pronounce it. Yeah, Joe Nall.
0: Okay, so Joe Nall. We're going to talk about Joe Nall. So, um, you know, I've never spoken to someone interviewed someone that you know from australia that's been over there and made the trip so we're going to get a bit of a deep dive uh and uh look we're back with another guest that's suffering from medical ailments tell everybody heath what, what are you suffering from at the moment
1: uh commonly known as covert or i've heard it's actually the spicy flu everyone uses
0: so. <laughs> well uh and how are you feeling
1: better than i was three days ago but i uh, underestimated it wasn't just a normal flu so.
0: Not too bad, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. you're improving though. Last week we had uh, John Carney on who uh, had um, hay fever for the whole thing. So uh, we're doing well. Uh, Might start a podcast for medical advice for (laughs) aero modelers. Now, Heath, just give everybody just a bit of a a reminder as to who you are and your involvement in the hobby.
1: Yeah, okay. So um, Heath McDonald, Donald, obviously, so grew up uh Western Sydney um and sort of got into the hobby through staring into Day Rossi hobbies in Campbelltown um when I was about thirteen and I bugged them enough and my mum to finally buy me a trainer and a uh OS forty six LA. Um and then went out to Appen um learned how to fly under a fellow called Gus Greening um and then mainly concentrated on scale um planes and just enjoyed trying to trying to build and build a few planes in, along the way um a little bit of scratch building uh building from kits and and plans and things like that um and then actually worked at ace hobby distributors for a while um just as a what I'll call a boxologist um it was just basically making boxes for things to fit into to shops. <laughs> Uh, and then eventually got into military um, as a UAV operator, which then enabled me to get into work in CASA, so the Australian Civil Aviation Regulator, and focus on uh, what we call remotely piloted aircraft systems. And a very small part of that is also model aircraft. So that's sort of my involvement, sort of how I got in.
0: Well, I'd say that you're, uh, you're very involved. Uh, you're a very involved aero modeler and a passionate one at that. And as I mentioned, you've just gone on a bit of a trip to the US. And when I when I saw on Facebook you we were going, I thought, Oh, I gotta get Heath on. I was pretty early on, wasn't it? To say hey, Heath. I think you were over there. Or did you just Yeah, let, you're over there when I said, Hey Heath, when can we hook up? I wanna hear this story about the trip. Yeah, I think
1: it was. I because I um found this great thing called Instagram and I was explaining to my wife that Hey, have you heard of this Instagram? It's like a photo album, but you know, in an app. So I don't need to store my photos, and and so from that, I created some. You know, it was just sort of for me, like just to put photos up. Um, but yeah, it was I sort of enjoyed it, and my wife then said, you know, Instagram has been around, you know, probably longer than you've had a phone, <laughs> so it's not something new. Gee, you're a but, um, Oh, I was, I was. So I don't really know how to use it and it's the average modeler, but I just enjoyed putting a few things up and then um, I thought what was good though was to see if I could share sort of how the journey was or try and share how it was. So that was my aim, but I'm not a media person. So
0: I was following it all the way. So, okay. High level. What was the rough itinerary uh, for the trip? And then we'll get into the details yeah okay um so well it
1: started off from mate gus greening who's went there and said you need to go like you need to make this priority and so it was been around for a few years i've been trying to you know get there or plan when to get there and finally got, got the opportunity um but decided to go to gus's son who lives in um Champaign, Illinois. So he works for Horizon. So I flew into Chicago, went up to Oshkosh Museum there, um, then traveled down to Craig at Champaign, see Horizon and Eli Field, down to Joe North, then back up through West Virginia and sort of Banjo country, um, to US Air Force Museum, and then back to Chicago through Champaign. So I was I worked it out – well, the the hire car company worked it out for me. It was uh, 3,860 kilometres or something that I travelled. I drove through the whole time. Really?
0: Okay, so let's break it down. You left Sydney and went to – what, San Francisco, you said?
1: Yeah, Sydney, San Francisco. And then Um, straight to Chicago? After a good delay, of course. Um, Yeah, so I got into Chicago – at about nine thirty at night on the Tuesday night, uh, picked up the hire car and didn't realize how cold it was in Chicago and there was a winter storm or something like that and had to drive two and a half an hours north uh, on the wrong side of the road. So Perfect. that was definitely an experience.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you go with that? That because that's an interesting one because. I'm going to the US. And by the time this comes out, probably another week and a bit to go before um, I go to the US. And I was and I was tempted to drive from LA to Vegas, which I'm not now. But I thought well, I know that I'd be okay driving a left-hand drive car. But how did you go adjusting to the uh, the roads? It, um, it's funny you
1: had Bogan on the other day, in the hundred episode, and he said the same thing that I thought about is that it's fine until you get. Into like a comfortable area, like you just relax. So if you're on the road and you you've got to think, like you're obviously thinking a lot. But as soon as you get into like a car park or a, um, you know, a back street, your mind just goes straight to the other way. So the hardest thing I had was going to find a gear lever. I'd smack my left hand against the car door every time Uh, because you you go for the gear lever on the left, but no, it's on the right. And then the, the rear view visor as well. You're always looking out the window, yeah. but it's actually on the right. Yeah. So that was the hardest
0: bit. So I think I'd be I'd be all right with the, the gear shifter. I used to race a car that had the gear shifter on the right, little single seater, and I never had an issue actually in doing that. So I, I keep that in my head. And often yeah. I'd play car-simulated games and I'd put the, the the gear stick on the other side. I never had an issue with it, but um, yeah, I just okay. think it'd be – Turning down side streets and stuff like that, and going, okay, which side of the road am I supposed to be on? But okay, Are you, I suppose by the end you got the knack of it.
1: Yeah, so it was hard even coming back and adjusting again. <laughs> yeah, and because you're always you're trying to drive. Craig used to have a fit when I was driving because I'd be nearly off the road, <laughs> you know, because I'm trying to move over where I think I need to drive. But yeah, no, it was interesting. It was it was almost overwhelming the first night. But um, yeah, got used to it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you arrive in Chicago and then you go, do you go straight down to Champaign?
1: No. So headed about two and a half hours north oh, to right. Oshkosh. Um, and if I hope everyone's familiar with Oshkosh, but it's sort of the experimental aviation capital of America, that aerodrome where they have the week long air venture. Uh, it's called uh, Airshow. And so there's thousands of aircraft that fly into there. And so they have a museum for experimental aircraft. Um, but they have the likes of a full Burt Rutan sort of display. They've got, you know, some unbelievable planes in there. And, and um, for example, the Bugatti racer, they've got the actual Bugatti racer, the only one that was built apart from the replica you know and so just that was um yeah dream come true really to go into that museum and there was about 10 people the day i went the whole day 10 other people oh really so i had yeah
0: how much time do you uh, need to see
1: everything there in the museum do you reckon uh to see it properly probably four to five hours at least oh really um but i was there the whole day so i'd you know, they've got all the Christian Eagles from the uh, I can't remember the performing team uh formation team that used to perform with them but they've got them in there they've got a um oh God you know the smallest world's smallest plane I think or biplane ridiculous um they've got everything you know experimental wise civilian stuff and then a few uh military, P51, uh they've got an original mosquito, Corsair. Um, yeah, so like a really good range of aircraft. And if you're into that sort of small experimental or the racing stuff, it's really good.
0: And uh Super Chipmunk?
1: Yes, definitely. That That's the one on. I was sent you. Yeah. Yeah,
0: i yeah, really um, appreciate that. That was uh that gave me my jollies. Seeing yeah, the, uh, the, the old Super Chipmunk hanging upside down. The um, and yeah, it's really, yeah. How close can you get to the planes? Like, are you?
1: Oh, you could almost you could touch most of them. Um, you know, and that's I was just about to say they do it really well. You know, you can get up really close. Um, you can get really good detail if you're after that sort of stuff for scale. You <laughs> have to cut that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get. Right up and see all the trophies for the air races, for example. Um, they've got sort of exhibitions on, you know, how to do covering with fabric and dope and and techniques and and I guess that's sort of what EAA is about. It's about sharing knowledge for other people to build full size aircraft. Um, but all of that still applies to modelling. You know, you when I was reading through it, you know, the stitching and and how you do how you lay down the fabric, do the dope. It's the same stuff that we do. So um, it's funny the correlation between it. There's not much, you know, it's six degrees of separation basically between what they do with the full size and what we do with modeling. So it was really cool to see that, that side of it.
0: Yeah, it looks awesome I'm looking at photos now and I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be great. I think 200 photos, I think. And I've held myself back. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, I made a mission to capture every single aircraft in the museum. Um, Yeah, but I did hold back a bit on a few. That's
0: phenomenal. And if there's only 10 people there, it's like having the place to yourself.
1: It was, yeah. It was really good, you know. Didn't have to push in line or anything for it, so.
0: Okay, so let's put that on the agenda. That's a good one. Get up to Oshkosh go and visit the EI, 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 yeah. museum. So then, okay, you stayed there. How long were you in, in, in there for at Oshkosh?
1: Uh, so I was in there for a day and a half almost, and then, I uh, drove down to, uh, Champaign or Muhammad, which is about 15 minutes <laughs> out of Champagne, where Craig lives. Um, yeah. So I drove down through the back way of Wisconsin, um, and funnily enough, I didn't realise this sent it on first time to the states as well, so I'm probably ignorant. But apparently, our language is or our accents really hard to understand. And so I was having trouble just as simple as ordering Subway. Like, it just blew my mind, basically. So um, <laughs> yeah, got down to um, Muhammad in the night, and then. Uh, had to plan to go out to Eli Field. Um, you know, I really wanted to go out to Eli just cause I've flown the simulator for years, you know, the real flight sim and always just gone the default Eli field, but never thought I'd get the opportunity to actually fly there. So it was awesome. that.
0: For people that yeah, don't know who, what Eli field is, it's, it's, it's the Horizon Hobby field, isn't it? It's their home field.
1: Yeah, they do a lot of their, you know. Tests and evaluation and things like that. Videos, and they got a whole see, their
0: models and all that kind of videos.
1: Stuff. Yeah, it's all the low the hedges, but they come in, you know, really low and yeah. So that was awesome to go to Eli and you know the difference between a field in Australia versus a field in the states is just quite a bit, you know. um And the facilities I have there is just
0: ridiculous. Well, I'll give us example. We'll explain some of. So, some of the facilities they have
1: there, you know, they've got charging points at every single location in the pits. They've got um, the grass is immaculate. And then you've got concrete pits in front of your undercover area. And then roll out to, I don't know how long it is, but it'd have to be at least 250 meters of um, bitumen.
0: I'm on Google now, I'm going to do a measurement. Excellent. You'd looking at it. And then two hundred yeah, it's about two hundred and forty
1: five meters. Yeah. It's a big runway. Uh and then a grass and then grass strip on the other side that you can use as well. And then the overflow area is um unbelievable as well, you know. It's miles and miles.
0: Yeah. Where's the other grass strip behind the um behind the so if, clubhouse? You're,
1: if you're standing no, just on, on the side of the um
0: the asphalt so there's enough oh, yeah, room yeah, yeah, yeah. between the so. asphalt and the yeah the pit area. you can take off grass if you wanted to okay so eli field looks looks phenomenal so they've got a hanger there what's inside Um, uh, so a lot of space actually because I,
1: I think they use it to keep equipment there that they want to test and evaluate or for new models and things so they'll use that space out there to to work on models or um you know charges and, and things like that so there's not a lot of stuff in there it's more just to cater for a sort of off-site workspace it looks like Um but you'd be it's huge again you'd be able to store probably 20-30 cars in there oh, with the size of it
0: gee. everything's bigger in America what did you fly there did you have a fly yeah so I pinched most
1: of Craig's stuff um, he's got a Bronco and one of when I was planning to go over, I said, I need to have a fly of the Bronco. Like, you got to let me have to go because I'll never yeah, get the opportunity the back in Australia. Yeah. So the first time we went out before we went down to Nile, I wasn't able, I can't remember why, but we didn't take it out. Um, but we took out a Lazios that Craig built. I think back in the eighties, seventies. And it was one of the aircraft that I shipped over to him. Um, so we, Took that out. We took a thirty cc Valiant, but Craig retrofitted it with a ten cc electric motor just to see how it would handle, mm-hmm. and it went vertical oh, really? on one six battery. It was yeah, it was quite surprising actually. Yeah, because um, pretty big plane. Yeah, so we had a ball with that. I think in Viper ninety, Viper ninety mil. I don't think they're out in Australia yet. I'm not sure. Oh, um, they are. Yeah, the red,
0: a... red white and grey one
1: yeah. Yeah. Well that that's that was on rails. That was really nice to fly. Um and uh P thirty nine, which was probably the pick of the bunch, funnily enough, and it was only a one point one meter Warbird, but yeah, that was a oh, that was awesome. You know, you could come in really low, do sort of like right behind, you know, like a sweeping turn right across the, the main street. And luckily enough, we were the only ones there flying, probably because it was so windy. But, um, yeah, so I had a really good time out there flying in the afternoon. Did you? So did you get to visit the Horizon hobby? Yeah, so I think it was the day after or something, because I made sure that I was I was fed. And I asked Craig to take me to all the best sort of meat houses. So yeah, yeah. Uh, after a good feed, went over to Horizon and, um, It's probably smaller than what people think, I guess. Like, I was going to, I thought, you know, I'd rock up and it'd be, you know, a Bunnings size warehouse and, you know, pushing out all this gear and things like that. And it's actually, you know, probably half the size of a Bunnings. And then there was another uh, strip of buildings that were sort of the research development spaces where all the, where you see videos like from Ali and stuff in the talking about, New models or different ways to do things. Um, and then I got to go in, I think I'm not allowed to mention this the secret room. So, this is where they develop, you know, and test and design all new sorts of things. And I originally thought Craig was joking, but I said, Oh, do you want to take a few pictures? And he said, No. And I, I thought he didn't hear me and asked him again. He said, No, he'll lose his job. And I was like, Oh, okay. I get it now yeah so that was pretty cool um to see what was in there um and then went over to sort of the office side of things where craig's desk was um walking down the halls and there's uh, what's that movie called the truman show yeah so there's like a truman show hobby shop in there Mm. and where they put all the products on the tables and or on shelves and Evaluate how it looks, how it would look in a hobby store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was. It's cool because you see all that sort of stuff that you wouldn't think goes into just designing a simple plane. Every side of the box is actually thought about, you know. And and oh, I full disclosure, I'm not endorsed by Horizon or um, paid or anything like that. Um, I know we've got to sort out your team membership, yeah, but I'm, I need to I'm definitely guarantee. not. Um, but, yeah, the amount of – I think when Ali was on, we heard a lot about how much goes into just designing one model and even outside of what Ali was talking about, there's even more that actually goes into it. So it was interesting.
0: I still think they're they're probably the most professional – hobby business, hobby company out there really um you know there's a reason why they've got the standing in the industry and 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 i think the industry leans on them a fair bit as being that sort of big player that's consistently putting products out there that that, that seem to be reasonably successful as well so some of the biggest brands in the hobby that yeah. we see is them and without them things aren't looking that great so um they go about it in a in, in a, a pretty thorough way so um so, yeah, awesome experience to, to get there and, and experience it. I think, you know, it's something that I'd love to be able to do and, you know, having talked to Ali and um, even Peter Goldsmith who worked there for a long time and that kind of stuff um, really, yeah, gets me excited about one day maybe visiting. So, yeah, one day, one day. Now, okay, so after um, you visited all the Horizon Hobby side of things in Oshkosh, what's the next step? Where did you go after that? So I drove down to South
1: Carolina, um, to, uh, sort of Greenville, Springville or Springfield. Amazing. Let me have a look. I'm going to have a look now. So where do you okay. go?
0: What was it called? So Greenville.
1: Spring... Greenville. Greenville, South Carolina, In... which is about 25
0: minutes from the Joe Northfield. Okay. So let's just have a look now. So that is 645 miles. So that's. It's a good 10-hour drive. It's about drive. ten and a half hours. Yeah, ten and a half hour drive. Oh, okay, it's so um, Melbourne to Sydney in a bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of and, a lot of a lot of Aero models are used to that. You know, when the Queenslanders come down to to Victoria to go to a flying event, they're doing those kind of hours plus more. So yeah, uh, that's it. And I,
1: okay. I I enjoy driving as well, so it's not like it wasn't really taxing on me. Um, but of course, made sure I filled up. Um, on food that is. Yeah. So we stopped at a place called Waffle House, and um, I can't believe the price of food over there. You know, once again, um, Virgin US person. So rock in and get a almost a full breakfast for ten dollars. It was just blew a mind. The coffee's not good at all, but um, I think you'll struggle with the coffee if you haven't been over before. Well, you know
0: what? I won't because I'm not a big coffee drinker. Oh, so so that's one thing I don't have to miss out on. Is, Sorry,
1: I stereotyped you. Well, yeah, milk. see,
0: no, it, it's true. I'm the odd one out. You know what? I wish I was a coffee drinker. I wish I like. I, it makes my heart race. I feel jumpy, but um, which is weird because I can drink Red Bull and I'm okay. But yeah. when I drink coffee, but now and again I will have a, a like a, a, a latte or something like that, something something a week latte or something like that. But um, no, I can do without it. So I'm not going to – but I'll tell you what, I do want to – like in my trip, I'm just like, I just want to eat a greasy burger. I just want, I want a sloppy burger
1: oh, <laughs> It's about all of them, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, they, there was a – I kept passing an ad. It was for a place called Culver's or Cowver's, and it's in – I think it's more north. Anyway, the ads were just – it made me, you know, really want one of those burgers. I was like, that's really good advertising because yeah. all I can think of is cowboys. called butter burgers or something. Oh, anyway, yeah. when I got one, they are the greasiest burger you could ever have. Oh, that's what i mean. So, yeah, that was uh, definitely clogged the arteries a bit.
0: Did you go through Indianapolis and then Louisville? Uh, yeah. Lexington. Yep. I'm just looking at the Google Maps. Knoxville then to greenville yeah but it's all highway
1: that's a difference probably within well i guess not so much like sydney to brisbane or sydney to melbourne anymore that's fairly much highway all the way yeah it's the same over in the states it's all bloody highways which is all right but um you don't see as much as probably if you were going on the back roads i guess um but it up north sort of uh, Illinois tennessee i think it was next indianapolis yeah. it's all completely flat look there's really? it's like the outback It's just flat as flat as attack for miles um it's only once you start getting into virginia that it's a bit better i would say a bit yeah. more interesting um but that was a pretty easy drive then we got down there um look i originally planned to camp and i thought you know camping would be great Because I enjoy camping out in Australia.
0: So the Joan All event is held at the Triple Tree Aerodrome, isn't it, right? And that is near Greenville?
1: Yeah. The suburb's called Woodruff. That's right. Like Woodruff, yeah. Uh, South Carolina. So the closest airport would be Greenville International, Greenville Spartanburg International Airport. Yeah, okay. It's about 25, 30 minutes from there, yeah. south, east. And it's sort of in a – probably jumping ahead here, but it's sort of a drive in sort of a backcountry drive. Like it's – you're going through like really, you know, narrow roads and then all of a sudden you've got the entrance to Triple Tree Aerodrome. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so you can see it now. Okay, so – and that's what – the so the drive is – What's the drive? How long does it take to get from Greenville? 25 20, minutes? 20,
1: 25 minutes, yeah. But if you're excited
0: like I was, about two. <laughs> it was all, yeah. Didn't but, feel long at all. But there's other, will there be other places to stay on the way? Or not, I'm looking now. There's uh, Fountain Inn, Greenville. Green, yeah, it's probably the, there's a few
1: along the way and there's heaps of hotels everywhere. Mm-hmm. Or you can have the option of camping, so. When I first registered, um, I think I registered about six to eight months out. Uh, and so i just put down camping just in case. So, um, probably the fees are interesting. but I mean, you do pay a bit, I think it was about 400 Australian and that was for pilot registration and a full week of camping. <clears throat> um, so that, um, yeah, the camping fees and the pilot registration, that includes obviously flying during the week. Uh, it includes showers and, and things there, but I ended up being a bit more precious and, um, staying in the hotel in, uh, Greenville.
0: And the, um, okay. So you head out to, uh, you stay in Greenville, you're with, um, your friend Craig then he was with you yeah yeah yep. okay so you then decide to go out to the triple tree Aerodrome. first trip to joan oil you drive through those gates it was yep. like a kid in a candy store yeah, it was <laughs>
1: um i had to hold my excitement when i first seen the you know the the front and as I said before, when you're driving, you revert back to the Australian side. So as soon as I was had my mind somewhere else, I was driving on the left side, which was the first error because there was someone else coming. But no, so you yeah, jump through the gates and bit of a windy path. So you're driving through sort of on your left hand side's the helicopter line, um, with probably about two or three people. And that was probably it for the whole week. It wasn't a lot. Um, they're sort of pushed, I would say, pushed aside and down into their little corner. Yeah. Um, and then you come up to the top of the of a small sort of hill and that's where the registration centre is um, and sort of public, I think public or spectator parking is on the right. And so stop there and then walk up and grab the registration packs on the waiver. Um, and mind you, I, I should say that from the point I registered six or eight months earlier, I got one email back from Triple Tree. So I was a bit worried actually walking up thinking,
0: oh, you I regist- probably
1: should have confirmed that they actually yeah, got my registration. Yeah. Um, but luckily they did and they printed out. So you get your pack and you've got an arm that I didn't realise you have to put on and apparently it's a bit of a, trophy for people they'll wear them for weeks on end afterwards
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know just to say i've been a triple tree journal um and you've got a like if you get camping you've got a camping pass so you display that in your campsite you got a car pass you hook that on your mirror um you get a plaque as well which is cool so it's like a metal with a bit of foam um backing uh plaque for the Year that you've gone there um and for some reason they printed a pass-off for my wife um but definitely wasn't going to use that but i kept it
0: yeah
1: <laughs> to bring it back to emma yeah
0: now the the, the triple tree aerodrome is, is a full-size aerodrome which has basically grass strips everywhere so that means when it comes to an aeromodelling event it's a, it's a pretty decent strip too you've got multiple flight flight areas so uh, you've got you mentioned the helicopter what else have you got yeah. how many other flight lines are there
1: um so if you keep going down so past the visitor center keep going down goes downhill a bit on the left you've got the main line and you can tell that's a main line it's got all the you know vendors there or what tent big tents and massive rvs and stuff and then further down on the right you've got your uh float line and at the back of the float line you've got some guys uh do boats on the water and there's a few sailboats you know every now and then as well um and then past the float line just on the left is a small sealed strip actually for electrics
0: yeah I'm just looking at that now you can by the way if you type in triple tree aerodrome on google and put it on the satellite view you'll be able to see all this so yeah i noticed it it's about 100 yeah. and something metres long, 140 metres, something long, that strip.
1: And then sort of due north of that um, electric line is where the control line people are. Yeah, yeah there's and uh, then a couple of circles
0: there, three circles.
1: Three circles, yeah. And then back to the electric line, the next line is a electric 3D line, which is really small, um, obviously, electric 3D, so they don't really venture outside that little space too much. And there's a few, there's a bit of action there. And then all the way down to the end curve around and you've got the 3d line, which is sort of angled, um, compared to the main line and behind 3d is the FPV
0: racing area. Oh, really? Yeah. And of course the the 3d line extends or butts onto another little lake.
1: It does, yeah, and there's when I first went down there, there was a there's a plane stuck in the water there, <laughs> and it took me a while and I was thinking, no, it's been about probably half an hour. someone hasn't gone out to get that model. It must be a static yeah. a static display, so apparently that's where you got a dunk or I've dunked at Noll or something,
0: yeah,
1: you know, all the 3D crazies go down there and yeah, dip the tire. and that's all they do. That's literally all they do. If you can't 3D, you don't fly there. It's, you know, from, I think I was, you know, 6 in the morning and there it, it was some, you know, probably teenagers still going at like 2 a.m. <laughs> just, yeah, nonstop.
0: And how do you get around? Like just walk? Are you just walking or, you know, how people navigate between different flight lines?
1: You could walk. Um, there is a courtesy bus. So the Triple Tree Aerodrome have a myriad of volunteers. Um, And so they drive, originally it was the big yellow school bus, but they decided to put on uh, carts this year. So there's courtesy carts running all day. So if you want to go down the 3D line, you just wait around, jump on a courtesy car and drop down there. Um, And same again, coming back up. Uh, Luckily, I had the car there. So I'd just jump in the car um and scoot around where sort of where I wanted to yeah. and um even with the models so for we took a 30 cc valiant with floats on it so I just chucked that in the back of the it was a extra uh, with the yeah, back door open sort of just hooked it in there made sure it wasn't going to go out and drove up to the float line with it you know unpacked it and then packed it back in so sort of a bit of no rules, really. And um, my, one of my favourite photos is some of the 3D fellas. I think they're from the JR team or the Tarba team. And so I've seen this cart coming down with a bloke holding onto a plane on top of the cart, the hands either side. And then as they got past me, there's a guy holding a plane out the back with a main gear, like holding the tail of it. Oh, you're dragging it dragging it so yeah that was yeah that was cool and you you know I thought well wow, that's you know I won't say that again no it was daily you'd see it all the time people some crazy ideas to to yeah, the transit models around there
0: well some of them are big big models
1: yeah definitely definitely so that's sort of the layout you you really need transport if you're not going to use a courtesy car you you could walk, but it's probably a half hour walk from the main line to the three D line.
0: And there's um a lot of people have like buggies and stuff, don't they? Electric buggies, like golf carts and stuff, or not?
1: Yeah, golf carts, uh, mini bikes, motorbikes, um, just something small than a car or the enormous RVs that they come in. It's ridiculous how big they are. Um, and sort of maybe off track a bit. So Dave Garl was there as well. Yeah, yeah, he was um so first time that so he got there a day before me i think with sherry and the first time that i saw him he was at a stall helping someone out uh hand out polos and shirts that people were buying for joe Noel from hobby so or something like that yeah. it was so easy anyway so he he had a um a mate there with an rv and they uh had a bit of a tour through it and it was ridiculous. You could live in it forever, mm-hmm. these things. So that's if
0: you're gonna camp there, that's where you wanna you, you need an RV. You wouldn't go a tent. Yeah. Yeah. And where did you spend most of your time um which flight line, or did you just go between the different ones? Uh I probably had a decent
1: share amongst all of them. Um I flew the most probably on the float line, just because we had the the valiant there. Um but it flew quite a bit on the main line as well, which is cool. Um the sun in the morning is probably not the best for the main line because it's right in your eyes. Mm. And then the float line's on the opposite side, so in the afternoon, the float line's no good really, because the sun's in your eyes again. So yeah, probably the float line. And that's pretty relaxed. You know, it's it's not like the main line where you've got people waiting and it's uh, fairly it's not too strict, but it you got to make sure you're not going to hit anyone. Um, so you got your caller and the flight line controller. So the float line was a bit more free um, and not as busy. So uh, flew, I think once or twice the electric line, which is pretty fun, but that can be a bit tight as well because you've got obviously controller line, you've got the main line guys that sometimes sneak down there, especially with the jets. Uh,
0: how many people are in the air at once? It's on the electric line.
1: So the electric line you've got, I think a maximum of five or six, um, and you'd have that many in the air. You'd have also people teaming up together, and although <laughs> I didn't mind it, Craig hated it. But um, I think it was about seven or eight of those airliners, the seven three seven max, oh, yeah. I think in the free wing. Yeah, yeah. And so they all had a sort of team takeoff, I guess you'd say, and flew all at once. So you do get those sort of. You know, ad hoc, mm. you know, displays. I guess you could say. um uh The main line you've got six up to six people flying, and that's anything from, you know, there was the biggest jet I've ever seen, Leonardo jet. It's like a four meter, yeah, yeah, yeah. length thing. You know, like you could be flying tent? that. Yeah, sports jet. Yeah. yeah. So there was something like that up, and a you know, eighty inch Piper Cub. Hmm. um or even a you know a large uh, ugly stick and so it's not it was good to say that because it's not you don't have to have the latest and greatest thing to fly on the main lawn at journal you can just rock up and fly something that meets that criteria
0: okay so the planes that you flew were what you know, mate craig's planes that he brought or you know yeah so flew the valiant and then
1: also had to go with uh, the Horizons planes, which one was the Tiger 30cc. And that was actually pretty fun. That was electric. Um, but it just flew well. And it was just nice to fly them in the morning at the main line. And then I was fortunate enough to fly the uh, FX3 Cub. So, oh, yeah. um, and kudos to Ali for helping set it up and, we had a few issues trying to get it on the radio or, or something like that. Um, Did you take your own radio or use one of these? No, luckily, uh, Craig flies mode one. Don't shoot us. Mode two is mode two. Um, and I think it was about three of us that flew mode one at Jane Nile. Everyone's mode two in the States, uh, which surprised me. So uh, I just use Craig's radio. But if you're going to go, you would – you know, I think the ideal thing would be to – buy a plane when you're there there's plenty of planes for sale, um and so if you get there early if you take a radio and a charger you could set yourself up you know the whole week for the whole week just flying a plane yeah
0: you buy, buy
1: a plane and um
0: get some batteries there
1: yeah and yeah pretty cheap as well so um like on the main line you'd you walk probably 250 300 meters and there's models literally the whole way and then there's probably about a 200 meters of tents and gazebos on the main line um of like three by three let's say and then backed on again behind um and they've all got models in them so just the amount of models there is crazy put it that way and apparently they were, they were down on numbers this year, um, which I didn't understand. But apparently they were down on numbers. Um, but the yeah, the, still the amount of models that we saw and that were just at the field it was just yeah incredible. Compared to, especially compared to the
0: events out in Australia. What about the facilities for for aero modeling, charging facilities and things like that?
1: Yeah, so there's plenty of um, power and. The tents, I believe a lot of the tents you hire um, and most of them do have power to them or can get power to them. So there wouldn't be any issues uh, except for finding the right adapter, of course, for US plugs Mm. to actually get power to charge your models. And everyone is really friendly over there as well. You know, you can walk up to anyone and say hello. Matter of fact, Dave, uh, Garl, took me on the – uh, buggy for a bit of a, a tour and we're down at the 3D line and Dave just waves at someone and I immediately thought he knew them um, anyway we pull up and had a conversation for about 10-15 minutes drive off and I said did you know them Dave and he said not at all <laughs> <laughs>
0: and,
1: and it, you know had this like massive conversation just about you know how you've been and do you like it here? Do you enjoy coming? And oh yeah, I'm like oh okay, cool. <laughs> so the yeah, I don't think you'd have trouble finding someone that would help, help if you needed to. And you've also got all the vendors there as well. So you've got, you know, everyone from Volca um, USA, Micro Fasteners, Extreme Flight, DA, um, our own Boomer, definitely. Uh, mentioned them Boomer RC so Rick and yeah, yeah, Brennan there. yeah um, so I said hello to them They, were, you know of course really friendly and it was good to see them um, and they offered for me to fly the plane they had there as well so it's you know especially when you're overseas I guess seeing someone from your own country and in same interest I, I guess they were willing to you know try and share it luckily i didn't need to you but become, yeah you
0: become a team don't you it's like you've got yeah, something in common you know, pretty much in the same place
1: and you've also got other little hobby shops just come and try and retail so there's no you know no shortage of getting being able to get parts or batteries or anything like that to set your plane up um and i probably spent a bit too much in micro fasteners just with you know um like kit building and scratch building <laughs> So and unfortunately we don't have I don't think we've got anything like that in Australia and if anyone knows of anything, I'd love to hear it. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, spent a bucket load in micro fasteners.
0: So basically you could you could turn up there, like you said, with your transmitter and maybe battery and stuff like that, and there'll be planes for sale or something that you could just pick up there and fly for the event and then maybe offload before the end of the event or something like yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. So look if you are if you've got a bit of cash there's uh, Extreme flight were actually building planes for people to fly there. So you could go and purchase a plane, and they'd build it, and you'd, you'd roll it out and fly it. Gee, that'd um, be good. You <laughs> know the guys at Extreme Flight. I spent some time with them in China, so uh, I think it was Extreme Flight. I, I'm hoping it was, but I did see them actually, yeah, build the whole aircraft um, for people. So. And then you've also got a heap of other pine and fly stuff that people just advertise, especially down the electric line. Like if you just want something to fly, you could fly down the electric line. And then on the main line after 5 p.m., you can fly whatever you want. There's there's no rules on size or category.
0: Uh, are people, you know, if the, like the 3D guys, are they going up to the main line as well and spending some time there or is everyone sort of saying in their sort of no, little area. They'll do the they'll do the demos. So the
1: quiet parts are probably early in the week from like your Saturday to your Wednesday, where you could fly pretty much all day on the main flight line. And it's more or less circuits and sort of aerobatics within the circuits or yeah. if you've got the air if you've got the air to yourself, which is very rare. Um you can do sort of what you want. But yeah, it's sort of controlled in the circuit pattern. Uh and then Wednesday is a very small demo. And then Thursday and Friday are your yeah, sort of big. Jace Ducia, you know, um Ali, Chinchi, um, Extreme Flight. And it Zill. goes for like two hours you will be there. <laughs> yep launching the glider like, yeah.
0: into the uh, doing an eating <laughs> demonstration <laughs> that's that's yeah. special i'll, I'll be with you on that yeah how to eat these so, <laughs> um
1: yeah I, I mean they don't the 3d guys stay down at 3d you know um they only come up for the demos and do 3d on the main line for the demos so and i mean once you've seen jace fly which i was fortunate enough to see him fly you don't that's pretty you've awesome seen it HRD all pilot you can fly.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you've <laughs> yeah. seen it all haven't you? I've seen other well, yeah, I've seen him fly yeah. live a few times but yeah uh, but um yeah I was actually I saw some of his videos from Joan all and um man the guy the precision of his flying is amazing yeah. absolutely amazing I still it just blows my mind how he can be so precise yeah I, I was lucky enough to meet him
1: actually through Cray because um, yeah. he's he, uh, Jace yeah. is a team pilot for Horizon. So, yeah. uh, really nice fella as well. And same yeah. as his dad's really nice. Yeah, met him. So, guy. but he, on the main line, there's trees probably about 100 meters, 150 meters away. And Jace was flying, like, I think they call it rifle roll. Yeah, yeah, really fast. Straight towards the trees yeah, and probably missing them by an inch on the yeah. wingtips it was yeah it was impressive yeah it was oh
0: sure. this is crazy
1: isn't it? um and there's there's a few demos down in the 3d at lo- uh, the uh, sorry electric line um mainly product demos for hangar nine and uh sorry horizon and kiki flex oh, yeah, innovations Yep, yeah. yeah. and then there was a fpv demo and i thought oh, i'll go grab some lunch while this goes on but that was one of the best demos i saw the whole weekend really? this fpv um, oh, what was it, was so a, good? it was a national i think he was maybe national or world champion this fella and he had the goggles on they put a microphone under his under his nose and he was talking while flying and this drone would go from zero to 170ks in less than a second it was ridiculous Meanwhile he's still talking and yeah. and then shooting up to a thousand feet in like less than two seconds. It was really? just crazy, yeah. Um it was one of the best things I saw and I was hoping it was gonna be on again, but they didn't put it on. But yeah, that was I was actually really impressed because I was gonna go grab lunch, but I actually stayed and watched it, luckily. Yeah. So um Who would have so, thought
0: an yeah. MPV demonstration? But if you got know, someone right? Commentating like their flight and stuff that'd add to it, I suppose. That'd be pretty good. Yeah.
1: You know, just how they were zipping around. This thing was just mental.
0: Okay. And what about uh, food and stuff like that at the site?
1: Yeah. So there's a, uh, they usually position one type of food truck at each line. So I think it was probably a stereotype, to be honest, because the three day line had all the, the like smoking meat joe vendor thing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so and then the electric limes like a chicken I call it chicken fillet or something like yeah, that yeah. um but then you've also got a um a main food area next to the vendor area where you can go get breakfast lunch and dinner um and that's just sort of like a bit of a smorgasbord so and there's, there's no shortage of food that's for sure um, that's important But I would say water. Water is a big thing because I drink like a camel. Mm. So um, I did struggle the first day without water, and I was um, pestering Craig long enough for him to go and sort something out for me. Um, So water is a big thing if you do go. I would take a couple bottles uh, because there's no sort of tap, you know, taps around for fresh drinking water. And uh,
0: what? What like what time are you getting out to the field, and then leaving the field? Uh, so I was getting out
1: uh, around about seven thirty eight. Um, sort of driven a bit by the Horizon crew. Um, they're obviously they've been there, done it. So um, they go have breakfast, and then we would you on out. Yeah. Um, but the apart from I, I didn't see the dawn um Dawn patrol. That's probably the only thing that I didn't see there. But if you get out there 8:39, as I said, the sun's in the eyes at the main line, so there's not a lot of flying at that point. It's more you look down at the 3D line. They've probably been going since five or six, and you'll always see a plane up in the air down at the 3D line. The float line's pretty popular in the morning because the sun's in the best spot, um and the electric line's always going as well. Um, and then we'd spend all day there. Um, and probably go home around six seven o'clock um just after it got dark a bit or just getting dark gets dark about 7 38 i think so stay there a fair while um and then go back have some dinner go to sleep sleep like a, a log don't know why but just knack it after a full day there um
0: Oh, yeah. What about jet lag? Because the time difference, I'm dreading the time difference.
1: On the way there, because the first time I've ever gone that far, um, that took me about four or five days to get over. So, yeah, it did take a while, and I think that's why I was so buggered um, when I was down at Joanile. And the way back was a hell of a lot easier than actually on the way there. So, um, but, I mean... If you I guess if you go straight to the event, you probably have a you know, enough excitement and enthusiasm that you'll get into it a bit quicker. Whereas I was trying to drive and and things like that when I first got in, so it was a bit harder. Um and by myself as well, so I didn't have to wait for anyone else or, or depend on anyone else. So I was sort of like, Oh, I feel tired, so I'll sleep, which is probably the worst thing I've done.
0: It's just one of those things you gotta deal with really, don't you? Um so it sounds like that there would have been a truckload of people camping, or you know, staying in the RVs and stuff on site. Was it was it predominantly RVs or a mixture?
1: RVs and caravans. Um, so when when I was talking about when you come down from the hill, that's sort of the start of where the RVs and stuff are. And just you know, on the left side before the main line, there'd probably be a hundred spots there. Um, overall, you'd. I oh, couldn't count. You'd be saying at least, at least 250, you know, spots with RVs and caravans and stuff. Um, so there's a heap. There's a heap of people. Yeah, the 3D line's probably the next biggest lot. They've probably got 100 or so um, things down there. Uh, calf have their own um, bus, RV thing. So they've got their own and then they set up their tent next to the bus um and that had uh same as power box as well sorry the so power box had their tent as well next to it and they had their display there as well and so they had the big you got saying say the a12 um it's not the sr71 definitely a12 uh they had the bdx that went in um and a few others, and it, when you look inside, and they're immaculate, as you'd expect from PowerBox, I guess, you know, the setup and the everything. So, um, yeah, it's just look everywhere you look when you're there, you see something new or something different. Um, and then I was driving down to the from the main line to the electric line. I think on the uh, Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday, and side of um, side of my eye I spotted what well, my favourite plane is, the GVR2. But this thing was from, it was in a van, in the back of a van, and I'm sure you would have seen the photos, but it just looked enormous just sitting in the van, let alone when they pulled it out. It covered the whole back of the van door. And so I was, I was like, cool. I messaged Craig and I said, hey, there's a huge GB here. Tell me when it's on the flight line. Um yeah. And then we get into the gb soon, because <laughs> that was impressive. Um but something I did notice was that there's probably not as many scratch built or Q-built models there. It's uh it is a lot of ARF stuff, uh, which I'll get that's where the hobby is now. Uh, and foam, foam as well. So um, and not to say you know the ARF stuff isn't impressive. Um, I don't know whether you call the big car fly baby ARF. I guess you could call it ARF, um, but that's similar to how uh, Patsy and Richard done their D Fokker D8. It's full composite, and when you um, when you walk up to it, it looks like fabric. It's ridiculous it actually looks like a fabric covered model and it's only if you really get in there and actually touch it and try and fuel it that you realize that it's actually composite and so and that i think it was huge i think it was half scale or something like that with a, a huge valak engine in the front of it um and the calf guys flew that like a 3 D plane actually sure. so they four-point roll slow slow roll throw it around um so you get to see things like that and that's it's still impressive um the 140 inch bush master thing from extreme flight that was on floats is it bush master yeah yeah
0: yep, yep bush master
1: yeah um that's sitting on floats it was you know up to your armpits just on the ground sitting on you know so that sort of stuff was that was massive. Impressive that and cool saw, to see. Yeah. Saw that uh, that big plane on floats. And 3D it as well at the float line with yeah. floats on. Tim
0: Hanstein was flying that I've got right. on the podcast as well. But um
1: the slowest of slow flat spins <laughs> on yeah. the way down. It just with, sat. The,
0: with the floats on.
1: With the floats on. It just sat yeah. in the air like it was just a feather. So that sort of stuff was cool. Um and talking about sort of flying skills and stuff, you've got—I'll talk him up, Ali. Which yeah. Yeah, flying his Mig 17, um, it was just impressive, you know.
0: He—he he knows. I rate him as the number one jet demo pilot. Like, if I want to—if I want to get inspired in flying a jet, I just watch one of his videos.
1: Yeah, I, I came up with a bit of a philosophy around how he captures it the whole time so the difference i think between someone like Jason stills here is you see a lot of repetitions in the schedule of what he flies so although it's sort of different it's still the same sort of thing um but people like ali he makes it different every single pass so you're not going to see the same maneuver or the same way it's being flown so it sort of caps like it. It holds you in there like oh what's going to be the next pass oh nothing he just flies straight but but hey that was still interesting pretty low (laughs) and he goes around and the the slowest of slow rolls and down the whole main line you know and you know six foot off the ground um with that size jet and um, lower as well when it was um when there was less wind around but yeah, it's just unbelievable.
0: Well, uh, speaking of wind, there's was one of my questions. What was the weather like?
1: So, um, well, Craig, being he's been, I don't know how many times, um, but he goes every year, I guess. He said that this, the one this year, was actually quite different because it was actually there was actually a bit of wind around. Usually, it's dead calm um, and hotter, which I was happy about because I don't really like the heat, but. He said the wind was a bit different this year and odd, and usually they get still calm days the whole time. Um, so it wasn't too bad. Um, it was pretty much down the main straight for the main line, so that was good. Um, the only one, the 3D line was crosswind, but it doesn't matter for the 3D guys. So, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. In a way, it was good. You could play around with it a bit. So. I've got to mention the voodoo as well. So,
0: is this Ellie's um, voodoo? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, with the triple in it. Really? And so um, we,
0: Colm engine, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the Monday that we got there, the Monday morning. So I, I got into Greenville Sunday night, went to Joan Noel the Monday morning, and that's when all, uh, well, that's when Horizon starts unpacking and setting up. And so I've, I've seen a glimpse of it in the van i was like cool here we go (laughs) we wanted to see this um and so i got it out and started you know assembling all the models and i think the personal models come last so that's one of ali's personal models um and then i was talking to him about it and he said i'll lift it up to see how heavy it is and it is a ton it weighs a ton i think he said it was like oh be corrected but 25 pound of engine so you know, ten sure. kilos of just engine. Just engine. um Yeah, it how, is. What's how big? Is the plane like wingspan-ish wise. What's well, I think it's a calf Mustang. So it's about a uh, hundred inch, maybe. I think yeah, so. It's a calf. Yeah, two point six meters, something like that. Not, not overly big for the weight of everything.
0: I wonder how he got it to balance. Oh
1: God. <laughs> everything at the rear so putting that up it's not it's not a speed demon like it's not built for speed so although it's modeled as, as a racer it's yeah. on the reno races it is quick but it's not you know lightning quick um but the sound of it as it comes past full bore you know a foot off the ground that's what i remember that triple in line yeah. just going flat out
0: how does ellie LA- what does he say about flying it being so heavy? Because the wing loading would be horrendous, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I can say it because he told me. He said that's the only model that he gets does get nervous about flying. um yeah. And I hope I'm not putting words into his mouth because it, it was, it, you know, we did discuss it, and he said, yeah, just just the wing loading and you know how heavy it actually is. So um it does come in quick like i don't think there's many people that really could fly it and definitely not as well as ali so you'd have to bring it in as quick as he does i guess but mm. uh, he knows i guess he knows it really well so um he, to me he doesn't look nervous at all flying it he looks like it's a 40 size trainer mm-hmm. you know so once again like four point rolls a foot off the deck, literally. Off the deck, so that's the crazy part. When people, you know, sometimes the truth getting away of a good story. Like, no, these oh, the Mig seventeen. I thought I was going in. I spotted for him, um mm. which I was, you know, I was pretty privileged to to do. But I realised if I just don't say anything, he's a good enough pilot to yeah, you know navigate and see what's going on. Um, but I swear the wingtip on that Mig seventeen missed. The runway, runway, a, a centimetre, if if that, it, like it just blew my mind. Then I went back and said it to Craig. I said, "Jeez, I, I said it nearly went in, and and I thought, mm, actually, he probably had control of it. To be quite <laughs> honest, yeah, he's used to it. That's
0: what he always does. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> just to see that though, like on something that size at that speed, yeah, yeah. There's
0: a lot so, of confidence there. There's a lot of skill and confidence, really.
1: Yeah. And yeah. same with the fella flying the BDX, I think he was a calf importer. Um anyway, um so he had that BDX sports jet. Um, and that's the one that created the big fireball at the end of the day. I'm sure everyone's seen that. No, I haven't seen um, it. The big fireball that clipped no. the wing. Oh. No. So I was right on the flight line watching it, and it was routines just like there's probably more confidence each day uh and then this was a downwind slow roll and funnily enough got right through the roll it was only probably the last you know one eighth of it where it actually clipped the wing and just this huge fireball oh really yeah so and i can laugh about it because the pilot who was flying turned around and started laughing (laughs) and put his hands in the air yeah
0: what model was it
1: called a BDX. It's a really funny looking sports jet. and calf uh,
0: models, you reckon. Possibly. I'll have a look because it's not Yeah, their, it's on their website. I'm trying to find it. I'll have a look at, it. I'll have a look at it. Um okay, so Yeah. A couple of couple of uh questions to to finish up with. All right? right. Right uh best model you saw at joe noel what was the one that stands out as as you felt the the gb
1: gb r2 so that uh i can't remember what scale it was but it was huge um unfortunately i think that will only be a static model from hearing discussions around yeah um but the detail in that every time you looked at it again you'd find something new and plus it's my favorite model so I'd have to say the yeah g b r two the huge one
0: oh, really and okay uh best experience of the whole trip oh, it has to be
1: journal because there's still much so much more stuff you know I could mention, so like there's a hangar that they build all the projects in um it's then there's a main hangar with you know p fifty one mooney. The J three that flew all across, uh, Spartan executive, actually best experience will be flying on the lake and coming down over the road, about, you know, a foot off the road and then down onto the lake that was doing shooting
0: touch and goes. That'd be cool. Yeah. By the way, the BDX is from elite aero sport. Ah, there you go. awesome schemes to go with it. It's a, um, which no doubt you can get here in Australia through Landown Under Aerosports. Tyson Dodd could probably get you one in. But um, the, uh, yeah, I'm just having a look at them now. That thing was getting thrown around like
1: two hours from tomorrow. It was, the amount of G, G-force that would have been pulled on this thing was ridiculous. And then, you know, like there's a few pictures of it Pretty much the flaps are touching
0: the grass in the low pass. That's mm. was, yeah, well, those are aerosport jets are pretty damn good planes. The quality is right up there. It's best in the world in a kind of way when it comes to sport jets. Yeah. Um You pay a little bit extra for them, but that's um, you know price of quality, really. But you yeah. also buy P&P versions, so you can just get some that are already ready to go. So um, some of these schemes look phenomenal too. I, I, like It's one of those – there are so many different schemes you can get I'd struggled to pick one. It was like, Oh, that's nice. Like, oh, that one's good. Oh, Yeah. I could see myself with that one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. 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 Well, I'll tell you what, it sounds like it was an awesome trip. Um, I know that David Gale, David Garl's there and we had the guys from Boomer. So there was a, there was a few, yeah. probably more Aussies than normal made the, uh, the trip over there, which was good to see. And I know that Dave Gale's trying to get together a bunch of, um, Aussies that, uh, might want to go over there and attend, but um, I've now got a better picture of what it's all about. And uh, no doubt if there's any Aussies that want to go out there, uh, got any questions, you know, we can hook you up with Heath and uh, David Garl, you know, the guys from Boone, yeah. they'll know all about it. So there's a few people been over there, you know, Aaron gale has been there. I, think, I don't know if Tyson Dodds may have been there as well. So there's a few Aussies that have been there. And if you plan a trip, if, if you had to get there um, without, because you went via sort of Chicago long way round. Yeah, you'd do. You'd fly into LA and then catch a plane across to um, what was it? Greensville, yeah, did you say you can go? Yeah, Greensville, Spartanburg, Charlotte, or even Atlanta.
1: It's that's sort of like a triangle yeah, from where no. it is. So. You get it, and you think you need to have a high
0: car? Yeah, car would help?
1: Yeah, high car would help because then you wouldn't need to have transport at the actual event. You just drive around the high car. So, but look, I'm happy to if anyone wants to hear more. Of, understand challenges that i went through um like you have to get an uh a ama number oh yeah and so uh you have to get the ama membership uh which is oh, i can't remember maybe fifty dollars yeah. um so all that sort of stuff yeah happy to let anyone know because it's an experience you'll never forget um yeah. and it's definitely once in a lifetime for me oh
0: what you do not so. going back
1: now well that's what i'll tell the buyer. Until I'll convince her to take my son or something. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'm not taking my family to the US. Well I'm gonna be working anyway. So it's like, uh, I really I'm not gonna have much I've got a couple of couple of days in LA to myself in a kind of way, and that's just gonna be trying to cope with jet lag, I reckon, and, and find greasy burgers. Yeah. And uh so that's what I'm gonna do before getting into it for work and then before I know it I'll be on an airplane coming home and yeah. uh, resting when I get home. But um well, Heath, it's been good to have you once again on the podcast and to find out more about your trip. I was really keen to, to hear the story, and I'm glad you did tell it to me. And I was just I was listening intently because i got this plan that I'd love to get to, to the Joe Nall event at some point in time. And there's always these gaps in my thinking about, okay, what's it like? Where do you stay? How do you get there? How far away is this from this? Food, all this kind of stuff. And you've answered all those questions, so I'm well on my way. I've just got to, uh, you know, save up. Because it's a cheap exercise to get over there and um, get to it. Yeah. Thank you for. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I hope you get over the COVID and uh, thanks for joining us once again.
1: Cheers. Can I just say a really big shout out to Craig Um, for just to thank you for everything you've done for me? Because it wouldn't have been the same experience if I didn't have him over there. So appreciate that.
0: Well, we're going have to, to get that in you, you're gonna hook me up with Craig when you get him on the podcast because I'd love to have a chat with him.
1: Excellent, will do. He'll be waiting in anticipation. About to
0: leave, already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know another episode of the flat out rc podcast done and dusted and what an episode it has been uh thanks to heath mcdonald for joining us and, and informing us all about the joe all event and I oh look it's on my bucket list i'd love to go i know that um a few people are trying to get a bit of an australian contingent going for next year don't know whether i'd make it it's still a bit too too far out to call at this point in time a bit of a commitment both time and financially and i've got plenty on my plate uh so we'll just see how that goes. But uh, thanks again for joining us, Heath. Really appreciate that. And, and also the poor chapters in the midst of dealing with COVID. Uh, but look, we'll be back next week. I think we've had a run of people that have either had colds or COVID or whatever. Uh, I know that I'm, I'm recording another podcast with a gentleman that just, just got over COVID. Uh, banking them up, the interviews, because I'm going to be off to the United States in another week and a bit's time for a week but there will be an episode uh, i've got to go there for a work commitment but i will be back and i hope you will be as well don't forget to subscribe to all the flood out things youtube facebook instagram and of course this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to so i'll be back next week Till then stay well and happy era modeling on the freeway bonnie and clyde a classic cliche we're on the run this is what we waited for